Hi, welcome to Forefront 360. This is a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. My name is Zach Osinski. I am a collaborator here on the Forefront Festival, and I am coming to you from Urbana, Illinois, in the great American Midwest. And today I'm really glad to be joined by Victoria Moore. Victoria is coming to us from Rochester, New York. Uh, She was featured in our Forefront virtual event back in August, and she gave a great breakout session on the vocation of music therapy. Uh, I'm so glad that Victoria is here, and we're really excited to get to, to talk today and share a bit with you about her work as a music therapist and whatever else we decide to talk about. So, Victoria, welcome to Forefront 360. Thank you so much, Zach, for having me today. I am so honored and happy to be here today with you. <laughs> ah. So I, I have one uh, one light question to, to start out with. So okay. in your breakout session back at Forefront Virtual in August, you mentioned that you grew up in a military family. Um, yes. We have that in common, actually. I also grew up in a with a military background. My dad oh, was in the okay. Special Forces. Um, okay. Can you tell us where all you where all you lived growing up? Yes. Um, so not too many places. My parents, I mean, they lived way more places than I did. <laughs> um, but I've lived in Canada, Germany, Louisiana, Colorado, and now New York. And there's a couple different moves within each of those places. So. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah, not too many places. <laughs> Yeah, not too many places. <laughs> what about you? Did you uh, do you beat me in the number of places you've lived? <laughs> oh no! When I say not too many, I'm being totally like oh I, like, oh gotcha okay. <laughs> well, because yeah, I'm the I'm the youngest of four, and mm. um, so by the time that I was born, my parents had gotten all of their moving out of their system, basically. So oh, okay. They lived a couple of places in the States. They lived in Germany and then they uh, ended up in North Carolina and I lived in the same military base for 10 years. Um, oh, okay. What base? Fort Bragg. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have some family in North Carolina, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How did you end up in Rochester then? Um, so my dad's job after he retired from the military Um, we moved up to Colorado Springs and his job there transferred him to Rochester, New York. Okay. How long has that been home base? It's been home base for a while now. Um, For about 10 years now, uh, or maybe it's been 11 years. Um, I did go away to college in Chicago for uh, two years um, in between that time. But yeah, it's, it's been home for a while. So I feel like it's it's home for me now so yeah has rochester been like the first place that feels like home or i would say really all the places i live felt like home um but i guess i would say rochester feels more like a home base it's like somewhere i've been rooted here for a while you know Mm. so i guess it feels more like home did you do school in Rochester as well? You mentioned Chicago. Um, 
Yes. Um, so I went to school in Chicago for two years and then I came home. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, first I went for music education, um, when I was in Chicago and then I felt like, mm, I don't know if this is for me. So I came home, I took a year off school. I discovered music therapy. Um, and then, um, I went to Nazareth for, I think it was more like two and a half, three years um, to study music therapy, so. So how does, well, first off, could you tell me how music came into your life? Sure, yeah. Um, so I think my journey with music really began when I was a child. Um, I feel like I was very expressive and creative as a child, and I was very blessed to have parents who really nurtured that creativity. Um, and so, you know, my mom really enjoyed classical music and my dad really enjoyed jazz. And we would listen to pretty much everything in between that, you know, Christian contemporary, you know, pop music, whatever. Um, and so they'd always be playing music in the house on car trips. And so um, my sisters and I, I have three sisters, we were just really immersed in music. And my parents didn't just appreciate music, but they really appreciated the arts in general. They just had mm. that a deep appreciation appreciation for the arts. And so we would go to plays and my mom really loved musicals. So we knew all the musicals and my sisters and I, um, we would often put on our, put on our own plays and musicals <laughs> and we would sing and dance around the house. We were all pretty creative and, you know, quirky. <laughs> Um, I also had the opportunity to take um, piano and saxophone lessons. Um, and so I feel like through, even through, you know, all the moving and stuff, because my dad was in the year four, so I moved around a lot. Um, just having the music really helped me to have a sense of identity, even though, you know, I had to move so many times, just having, being able to connect with people through playing in various ensembles. Like I was in concert band, jazz band, you know, in middle school and high school. And it just really gave me that confidence. And so there are some, you know, when I was in high school, I really got into jazz, actually. And so I really connected with just the jazz and especially being an African American, I think that really gave me a sense of confidence too, that this is, you know, the people, the music of my people. And I think that that really has benefited, benefited me in the future, just getting, you know, into jazz and practicing jazz um, as a music therapist, just having those musical skills. Mm -hmm. So you would say that jazz became kind of the, the genre that you became most comfortable with? Yes, definitely. In high school, I went to a mostly white high school. <laughs> and so I actually went through this phase where I, you know, as an African-American, being the only African-American, like there's only a couple of us, you know, in that high school, I went through a phase where I was like, I want to connect with the music of my people and <laughs> I want to get back to my roots, you know? And so that really helped me to just have more confidence in myself, I think, when I was in high school. And I just fell in love with the music and just how um, intricate it is and how expressive and genuine and 
just the beautiful chords, you know, those seventh chords, those ninth chords, um, those flat knives, you know, just everything. (laughs) I just fell in love with that. And also just, you know, making music in the moment. I just thought that was so beautiful. And I definitely use a lot of those skills, um, the musical skills, as well as, you know, the skills of being in the moment, you know, in my sessions as a music Mm -hmm. therapist today. So I'm really grateful that I was able to discover jazz and I had that background of jazz from my dad as well. And so I feel like I've kind of gotten a little off topic. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I love it. I can, um, if you want me to, I can talk a little bit more about how that kind of transitioned into me becoming a music therapist. Yeah, so, so that was that was kind of my next question. How, when, um, when would you say in your musical development did you start to have kind of vocational aspirations associated with it, where hmm. this is something I could do do for a living? I definitely think it was in high school. Um, I had an amazing saxophone teacher, band teacher, who really encouraged me um, to just be excellent as a musician. And um, I felt like in high school, it was the one thing that I was really good at. (laughs) And so, you know, just as, you know, a kid, you're like, yeah, I'm good at this. You know, I, I think I can do this. I can go into this. Um, and I also enjoyed working with kids at that age as well. And mm. so I thought, you know, becoming a music teacher just made sense because I'm passionate about music and working with kids. Mm. And so, yeah, I think in high school is when I started thinking about music as a vocation. Mm. Okay. So you go to college for music education in Chicago. Yes. You come back home to New York and then start studying music therapy at Nazareth College. Yes. So where in that progression do you encounter music therapy? How did that happen? Yes. Um, So I was actually on YouTube. Um, I was doing some research about music therapy. um, Or was I doing research? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Just on the YouTube rabbit hole. (laughs) Exactly right. I was I was on a YouTube rabbit hole and I stumbled across. I, that's probably the story. That's probably what happened. I stumbled across a video of a music therapist working with a child with autism, and I believe the child was pretty much nonverbal, so um, they did not have words, um, you know, the verbal language to communicate. But the child was able to express themselves so beautifully through. Um, playing instruments. I think they're playing the drum together um, with a music therapist. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Just um, the fact that music was able to give this child a voice and a way to express themselves. And I just fell in love with it when I, um, when I saw that video. And then I think after that, I started to do more research about where I could go to school to study this. Um, I think I did some observations, um, of some music therapists in the Rochester area. And then I knew I needed to apply to NAS. They have a really good program. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, that's kind of um, how I became interested in music therapy. I I could just see myself doing that. You know, when I saw the video, I was like, oh, this is this is something I can see myself doing. And it's so beautiful. And um, and so it really started there. So 
That's great. I love that. So can you illustrate for us what what is music therapy? Yes. So music therapy, first of all, it is practiced by a credentialed professional. So um, in order to be a music therapist, you have to go to a four-year school and complete an internship and take a board certification exam. Um, so that's the first criteria. Um, also, as music therapists, everything we do is evidence-based. And so we're not just making stuff up. You know, everything we do is based on research that's been conducted uh, by other music therapists. These are interventions that have worked um, on multiple different, um, you know, clients in multiple different populations. And so everything we do is research-based. Um, also, uh, everything we do is driven by goals and objectives. So when someone comes, you know, refers someone to us for music therapy, we have to um, do a full assessment on that individual. And we might, you know, assess them in different domains, such as um, their communication, their social skills, emotional skills, physical skills, cognitive skills. So we're looking at um, all these different areas to see what their skill levels are in those areas. And then um, based upon that assessment, if they qualify for music therapy, we will write up specific goals and objectives for that individual to target, you know, the skills they need to work on. And so once we have those goals and objectives, everything we do is driven by that. Um, we're not just doing random things. Everything we do, just like a speech therapist or a PT or an occupational therapist um, has, you know, goals and objectives. So do we. Um, we also have to document their progress as well. And so um, we were documenting that as well, just like any other therapist would. That's great. So could you give me an example then of what what is your day-to-day -day look like if you're going into a session and working with a child? Yes. So my day-to-day, -day, um, I have about six to eight to nine sessions per day. It really depends on who I'm working with mm. um, because, like I said before, music therapy is individualized. We write up individualized goals for mm. each individual. So... I may have one student who's working on a communication skill. I may have another student who's working on maybe attending to a task for up to five minutes. And so the, the interventions that I do are gonna look different depending on the child I'm working on. But typically for the structure of my sessions, um, um, by the way, I am a school-based music therapist. Um, so I just wanna put that out there so everybody knows. So I'll start with a greeting song, so a hello song. Um, this will help to just see where the the um, the child's at, you know, to greet them and maybe see how they're feeling. Um, so I'll start with the hello song, and then I might move into some of those activities that are really working on um, those skills. I, I, I'll probably even work on targeting those skills in the hello song as well. Um, so let's see if I can give an example. A child might be working on following directions. So I might work on, um, I might do like a shake song of following directions of like core vocabulary, like up, down, around, behind your back, you know, on top of, things like that. Um, that's just one very specific 
song that I might do for, you know, an individual. But um, so I'll, I'll have like a couple interventions in between working on those targeted skills. And then I'll end with a closing song um, just to, you know, have that, you know, start and end. So the child knows, okay, we're all done with music therapy. It's time to go back to class. Um, and so typically that's what my sessions look like. That's great. And so you say you're based in a, in a particular school. So I would imagine you're working with the same children, uh, continually. Is that how it works? Yes. So I'm actually right now I work in four schools. So yes, I do see the same children for the school year. Um, I have a case, I have a set caseload for the school year. It may change depending on, I might need to add a student. If I do an evaluation on a student and they qualify for music therapy, I might need to add them to my caseload. Or if I feel like a student doesn't need music therapy anymore, then I won't see them anymore. And so one thing that I'm curious about, um, we talked about this before we hit record, um, but even amongst circles of musicians, it's been my experience that music therapy is a fairly, uh, for lack of a better word, like a niche occupation or a very specialized corner of of the music world. Um, has that been your experience at all? Or what is your conception of, uh, of just kind of the general pub, the general understanding of music therapy and, and its place? Yes. You know, I think that that conception of music therapy, that it's a very kind of niche field. Um, I think that it really depends on um where you live. I, I feel like in mm. Rochester, music therapy, I think music therapists do a really nice job about educating others about what music therapy is. Um, but I think in other parts of the country, people may not know what it is. But I feel like in Rochester, we do a pretty good job. Well, I still, you know, I, as a music therapist, I do still feel that, you know, I really do have to educate people and advocate for music therapy um, as much as I can, um, just with it, you know, still being, you know, a newer occupation. And so I feel like, you know, there's the music world where I'm trying to explain to people what music therapy is. And then there's like the therapist world where I'm trying to explain to people what music therapy is. So it's kind of like you're in, you know, there's these two worlds where you're really, <laughs> where you're kind of, walking the line in between and you're trying to, you know, bring them both together. Um, yes. And so there is kind of that, I guess you could say tension there that we hold as music therapists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but honestly, for me, it's my pleasure to just talk about it. If people have a question, I, I'm so happy to answer their question. Um, and so I don't mind at all if people don't understand it or people don't know what it is. I think it's just my job to educate. So I'm happy to answer people's questions and when they have questions. So, right. yeah. Do, do you feel like, I guess the way that you are particularly trained as a music therapist, do you like, do you then need to have skill sets from, you know, you talk about feeling like you're straddling two worlds. Does it feel like you're pulling from two different wells of, uh, of training or is it, does it, is it more cohesive than that? Is it more specialized than that? 
Mm, yes, that's a really good question. I think it's, at least from, I had a great education. I, I loved going to school at Nazareth. I thought it was a great program. It's just, it's very specialized. But at times, like I remember in school, I felt like it was like pulling from two different wells at times. I don't feel like that now. I feel like I have, you know, I have the balance now, but in school, because I would have, I would have to take, you know, piano class and I'd have to do juries and, you know, just like a regular music major, I would have all those music classes that I would have to take music history, um, which I've used. I've used those, you know, things that I've learned in like music history, um, you know, music theory. I use those like all the time as a music therapist. Um, so I have on one side, you know, all the music classes. And then on the other side, I would have um, my therapy classes, which incorporated, you know, musical elements, especially as I got into classes, you know, during my junior and senior year. But yet, um, I feel like in those classes, I was learning to think as a therapist. And then the other classes, you know, I was kind of seen more of more as just as of a musician. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but I use all of it. I, <laughs> um, and, and I feel like it just all, when you're doing the therapy with the kids, it just all comes together. <laughs> mm. And, um, and so I'm grateful that I was able to have such a rich music background, you know, through my studies in college, and then also have that, um, that therapy background around. I think both, both are needed. Um, mm -hmm. And so to be a good music therapist. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, so it sounds like music, you already talked about how, how rich and central uh, that was to your upbringing and how much that shaped you, uh, especially in, in your high school years. Was there anything in your life that predisposed you to the, the therapeutical side of, of your work? Hmm. I mean, you mentioned enjoying <laughs> working with kids, but. Yes. I would say, I mean, I would say that I think maybe just my personality, I've always been empathetic, sometimes too empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I've always like just loved just having those genuine connections with people. I also think that being like a woman of color too, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in a lot of white spaces. White, mm. I'm sorry. I, and so I think that, you know, I felt kind of like growing up, like on the outside in, right. um, like I didn't fit in. And so I feel like I can identify with people who feel like they don't fit in. Maybe, like maybe some of the students I work, work with, you know, who mm. um, they may feel like they don't fit in or, um, you know, they may feel like people look at them a certain way um, because they have, you know, different needs. And um, I think that that has also shaped me a lot. And just I think as I've, you know, grown more, I have also just really wanted to continue to do the work that I'm doing because I know that there's those kids of color, you know, in those classes that I may be, you know, in the district I'm working in, or I may be the only like teacher of color that they, that they see and just, you know, being, being there as a positive presence in their lives. 
And so I think that that part of me also kind of makes me more empathetic towards people who maybe are different or who um, don't fit in, into society. <laughs> I think there's other things too, but um, I think those definitely, those are the ones I thought about now, so. Oh, thank you, yeah. Could you tell me where, um, what role, if any, uh, faith played in your in your upbringing? Yes, um, definitely. Um, so I actually grew up in the church. Um, I was very blessed to have parents who really invested in me spiritually. Mm-hmm. And they were an example in Christ to me. Um, I, I remember like seeing my dad, he would get up early in the morning and he would read his Bible like before work, before he would, you know, put on his flight suit and go out to work. (laughs) Um, He would, I would see him reading his Bible and praying like on his knees at the couch. Um, And then my mom, you know, she's just been a prayer warrior and um, she would often bring like scripture into conversations, like just trying to point us to God, point us to Christ. um, Just reminding us of that. Um, so I grew up knowing a lot about God. Um, you know, I had to memorize scripture. I went to Awana. I don't know if anybody out there did Awana. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, I had, I was very blessed to have that. I don't think I realized it at the time always, especially when I got into high school. Um, but I had that foundation. Um, but when I got into high school, I think I became a little more cynical of the church, um, or maybe, yeah, late high school. Um, and I didn't really have like a relationship with God. I think I only prayed to God, like if I lost something (laughs) and I was like, God, please help me find this. Or like, if I was really struggling, God, please help me. Um, uh, and so I was kind of cynical of a church, you know, I, I grew up in the white church as like a, a black kid. And I felt like, Oh, I don't fit in with these people. I'm more artsy. I'm black. <laughs> and so I don't know if I should have said that. <laughs> but like, I kind of felt like that. I felt like, Oh, yes. like I just, these people, like they're just, they don't understand me. And like, I, yes. you know, they just, I just didn't, I just see, I just, I didn't fit into that youth group vibe, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I just didn't, you know, I've always been, I've always been a deep thinker and I've always, you know, really questioned things a lot. And so I, I questioned it a lot. I was like, are these people fake? Are these people real? Like, I don't, you know, I'm questioning it because I just kind of see like the way they, I just, you know, And so I, you know, I, but I was very critical back then. I think the Lord has helped me to heal from some of those things. Um, And so, you know, I was very, I had that, I had some bitterness there. (laughs) Um, But um, so, yeah, so I was pretty cynical when I was in high school, Uh, but then I went to college and um, that's where the Lord really began to work in my heart, um, just drawing me to him. I had some really great um, friends who were Christians, and I would go to church with them. Um, and ironically, like the Lord really used music to draw me to Himself. I was doing a lot of practicing um, my freshman and sophomore year of college. That's really when the Lord started to begin to work. Um, so I was in the practice rooms a lot, um, and I was really focused on, you know, 
just practicing. I want to be good. <laughs> I was I was actually interested in music performance at that time um, because all my teachers said, oh, you should go into music performance. Um, so I was interested in that. I was like, yeah, I could I could do that, you know, and um, and so, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the practice rooms listening to music. Um, and um, I remember there's one particular song that I listened to. It was a recording by John Coltrane of this jazz standard, I'm Old Fashioned. And in that recording, I just heard such like a longing in his playing. And I, I really identified with that, like that longing mm. of there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. And I think that um, I kind of felt that during that season. I was reading Ecclesiastes at the time. And there's actually a lyric in the song that um, says, this year's fancies are passing fancies. And that lyric kind of connected to Ecclesiastes where it's like Solomon says, everything is meaningless. And I, as a deep thinker, as very analytical <laughs> deep thinker, I started to question. I was like, yeah, like this year's fancies are passing fancies. Like all the things that I'm putting my hope in, like, you know, vain things like, oh, I just want to be successful as a musician. I want to be good, you know, compared to everyone else, you know, that spirit of comparison. I want to, you know, um, you know, have this, have that in life. I started, I think the Lord started to reveal, like, I thought I was like this good, you know, Christian girl, you know, oh, I was, you know, I know all the scripture and stuff, <laughs> you know, but the Lord started to reveal my heart, you know, that my heart was sinful. And so, um, you know, I was putting, I was idolizing these things. And um, I think, um, yeah, so he used that song too. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to get somewhere with this. I have a creative mind. So I'm just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, um, so yeah, at one point I just remember, you know, asking God, God, if you're real, like reveal yourself to me, just having a genuine prayer and just confessing my son and accepting um, what Jesus did on the cross um, so that I could have a relationship with God. And, um, and then I like looked back on my life and I remembered all these people who, you know, were there for me, you know, God revealed to me like, wow, he's been there the whole time. And I saw God and those people. So I couldn't deny that God was not real. And so um, ever since then, you know, it hasn't been perfect, you know, but um, the Lord has really revealed himself to me and his love and his grace, even though I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. Um, the Lord has just always been there for me. And um, he's just so good. And um, it's, he's, you know, I'm on this podcast. I didn't know I was going to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right here yeah. um and so um so yeah so that's you know a little bit of my faith story um yes. so just the holy spirit working in my heart it's nothing i did or earned it's just the work of god in my heart mm. wow oh victoria i i just love that story <laughs> oh. oh it's Glory my pleasure to, to share it <laughs> yes you know, as you 
as you continue in your work as a music therapist, has that been a, have there been moments or places in that work where you've experienced uh, a sense of God's presence with you or where characteristics of, of who he is are revealed to you or you experience them in some way? Yes, definitely. Um, there have been times where, um, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to explain. I feel like there's sometimes where like a child has said something like <laughs> during a session that I feel like, oh, wow, that's the Lord trying to get my attention, you know? <laughs> um, and I feel like, yeah, there's just those moments where you know, I see the joy in a child's eyes or um, I see um, just how much they're, you know, enjoying the music and, you know, they're able to express themselves. And I feel like just seeing their personality and seeing them shine, I feel like that's just so beautiful. And then that's, you know, God loves that, you know, because we're, we're all created in his image and we're all image bearers. And so these kids are image bearers of God and they have God, you know, inside of them. And so just, um, just you know, those moments where they're just shining in music therapy, um, I definitely see God in those moments. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that hints at a, at a question that I had in mind, which was, you know, like, what, what, what is your greatest hope for, for your kids that you get to work with in, in doing the work of music therapy? Because I mm -hmm. imagine it, I imagine a lot of it is really fun and, and uplifting. And I yeah. imagine parts of it too are, are work in, in doing that, that hard work what mm. what your hope is for them and, and part of it sounds like just seeing them become more alive as they mm -hmm. were created to be it's at least sounds like part of it from what i can hear yeah um that's definitely part of it just just giving them what they need to be able to express themselves and um, to communicate, you know, what they need um, to pretty much giving them what they need to like have the best life they can to have an abundant life. Um, and then also I would say my goal for them would be for them to, you know, encounter the love of Christ, you know, um, it's maybe not necessarily through me, but just like in their life, you know, to encounter the love of Christ. Yes. I wonder what you think about, so just in the historical moment that we're in, just all living in, in COVID right now in the pandemic, mm. sometimes the, the way I imagine this moment in time is just like COVID is just this giant hurricane that is just passing over this moment in time and we're all just kind of in it. And, mm -hmm. you know, once the storm eventually passes, like there's going to be work of, of recovery and of healing and restoration needed being done. 
in your work as a music therapist, how do you do you observe, do you experience the work of, of restoration or healing? Do you see that in your work? And if, if so, what does that look like? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, I think that during these hard times, um, I I feel like I see it even more. Um, you know, some you know, I work in the schools and so sometimes in the school, like one school will go virtual or like one classroom will have to go virtual. And, mm-hmm. you know, I see what the kids have to deal with with just these ups and downs and all the changes. And, you know, some of the kids I work with change is really, really, really hard for them. Um, Mm -hmm. But just, you know, having, you know, music therapy, you know, every week, you know, no matter what's happening, you know, I can have a music therapy session. Um, I can make music with Miss Victoria. I can, you know, uh, like pick what instrument I want to play or, you know, I'll be able to, you know, play instruments with my friend or, you know, do songwriting with my friend. I think just having that in their structure, you know, during these chaotic times um, can just, it's so important for children um, to just have that structure. Um, and that time where they don't necessarily have to, to think about, um, you know, what's going on in the world, but they can, you know, do music. And so um, I feel like I can definitely see, like I said before, I feel like I can definitely see how it's, it is, you know, doing that restorative work, you know, music therapy is in that restorative work (laughs) more now um, and how much it's needed, you know. Um, I also go into homes to do therapy and I think just bringing music into the home too can be such an encouragement. especially during these times. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion or your experience understanding, what what is it about music that helps you to work or do this work in this way with these kids? What do you think it is about music? You know, I think that there's so many different modes of, of music. No, I'm not talking about musical modes, but I'm talking about ways we can use music. So we can dance, we can sing, we can play instruments. Um, we can, you know, do songwriting. We can, there's so many different ways we can utilize music. And so with, um, with these kids, you know, there's, that provides them with um, different ways that they can learn, you know, they can learn about the world, they can learn about themselves, they can explore. Um, and so I definitely think that, you know, that's, that's, that's one way I can see how music is just that it's helping these kids. I remember at your (laughs) breakout session in August, you sang us a few of your, your songs and Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them was the the feelings song or the emotions yeah. song or something and you asked everyone how are you feeling today <laughs> and, and I, even felt... I think somebody said undecided someone <laughs> said undecided <laughs> <laughs> i love that that was a good answer yeah you know i i think uh i think that was joy ike actually yes it was that. it was <laughs> and I remember watching and 
I uh, just feeling that permission to say, hmm, you know, how am I feeling today? Um, yeah. <laughs> like your, your, your music being the, just the vehicle for that. Yes. And mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, music is very, um, you know, music can bring out all different emotions. And um, I also work on you know, my students um, talking about like different images they see, you know, images that are evoked through the music. And, um, and so it can definitely be used to, to, you know, talk about emotions and, and such. So Victoria, I could sit and have this conversation <laughs> for hours. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for becoming thank you and, and talking. Uh, I have one more question for you before yes. you go. If you had either an encouragement or a challenge or both for Christians in the arts, what would it be? Hmm. For encouragement, I would say um, to continue to use the gifts that God has given you um, and steward them, you know, work hard um, to ultimately bring him glory and, you know, to serve and love others. Um, and so I would say, don't be discouraged if you feel like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to use this or, you know, uh, if, you know, if you feel like, oh, this is, this is not good enough. I would say just, just to keep stewarding, you know, your gifts and let them shine before the world. You know, God made you creative. He made you an artist, a musician, whatever you are for a reason. Um, he, you know, does everything with a purpose. And so, um, just to continue to, I would just encourage artists, Christian artists to continue to, um, just do what they love to do and use it for God's glory. <laughs> Great. Well, Victoria, again, thank you so, so much for coming on to the podcast today. It was great to have you. Thank you so much. It was awesome to be here today. To everyone listening today, wherever you are, um, blessed Advent, Merry Christmas. Keep pursuing excellent art and authentic faith. <laughs>